You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On today's show, we are going to preview the season for Starling Marte, which includes discussing a scary situation this weekend as he was hit in the head by a pitch. Appears like he's going to be okay, though. I'll go through all of that in the first segment, as well as some of the other injuries to Mets we've seen over the weekend. Then in the second segment, going to go through the projections for what Marte is expected to do this year and compared to what he did last season for the Mets. Then we're going to close the show with the comp I have made in the past, Marte to Curtis Granderson. Granderson's second year with the Mets was by far his best. Could we see the same thing with Marte this season? We will discuss it. Before we do, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein. Ryan, you can also find some of my writing. just baseball.com, where I work. It's the managing editor. Now, Starling Marte was back on the field this weekend after being out for the beginning of spring training as he recovered from the double groin surgery he had this offseason. So it was great to see him out there. And in his first game, looked unbelievable. Had a double and a home run. Could not have been any better. But the second game is where there was some great concern because here's a guy that you really need to stay healthy and what you hate to see ever, but particularly in spring training when there's guys on the mound that you don't even really know who they are or you know if they're going to be pitching the big leagues at all this year is to see a star player get hit in the head by a pitch. and That's exactly what happened. Marte was able to walk off the field on his own power. Right now, early concussion tests are negative. Buck Showalter says they think they might have avoided uh, a way worse injury here, but they're going to have to keep tabs on him. It, it appears like the Mets dodged a bullet here because the one thing you can't do is lose a guy like Starling Marte before the season starts. Uh, you know, we were, I think last Monday, discussing on this show the guys the Mets can't afford to lose. And I said, look, you need to have at least one of Nemo and Marte. And really, you'd really like to be able to keep both of them because there's not that depth in the outfield particularly in center, to be able to absorb that loss or even that center-right combo because, you know, if Nimmo goes down, I'm not sure the Mets would even slide Marte into center, uh, but if they don't, then you got Canna playing center or Tommy Pham, and there's not a lot of good options there. If it was, you know, Marte going down or Marte sliding to center for Nimmo going down, suddenly you got, what, Jeff McNeil playing right, which I think McNeil can hang out there, but still... It hurts your infield, and there's just there's not the clear cut fourth outfield you feel great about saying, all right, if one of our guys goes down, they can fill in and give us a hundred games this season starting, and you're gonna be be happy with the production, right? I think the closest thing to that would be Brett Beatty going out to left field, uh, but then again, I think ultimately let's get to a point where Brett Beatty's just starting third baseman. So, bottom line through all of it is. The last thing we want to see is anyone go down in spring, but particularly a guy as valuable as Marte. So it seems like he's okay. Now, before we get into the projections of his season and what he did last year, and then also I want to make a comparison that I have made in the past 
to Curtis Granderson in 2015, his second year with the Mets, and how we could see something similar from Amarte. Before we get into all of that, there's other injuries to discuss here. Kodai Sango was scratched from a start due to a finger injury. Now, Buck Showalter said if this was during the season, Sango probably pitches through it. It's out of you know abundance of caution that the Mets held him out, but it is interesting how he got that injury. Sango discussed maybe gripping uh, the baseball a little bit tighter because the ball is different from the one that they use in Japan. It's a little bit slicker. Okay, it's also uh, bigger than the ball they use out there. So. That's a little interesting, and it's it's a cause. I don't know, a cause for concern. I'm not too worried about this particular finger injury, but the adjustment that he has to make is something that is a question mark for this team because if a pitcher feels like to, to be able to be successful, he has to alter his grip in a way. And if you just think about, take your hand, okay? I'll do it with my left so you can see it on camera if you're watching on YouTube. And, and, and grip tight, with your fingers, you can feel strain all the way in your forearm. That's dangerous for a pitcher. So, hey, look, a finger, I'm fine with it. But if he's gripping the ball tighter, that makes me nervous. So I hope he can adjust to the baseball and come out of not only this fine, but be able to to pitch every fifth day throughout the season. Or if they have to stretch to a six-man rotation at certain points, you want him to be healthy and pitching at least once a week. Um, and, and I think that if the Mets get him on the mound, what we've seen so far, he's going to be productive. That ghost fork still looks nasty with the MLB baseball coming out of Sanga's hand. His fastball was still touching 98, so there's still that chance you have one of the best number threes in baseball, uh, but he did go down for a little um, brief stint here. We'll see how quickly he gets back on the mound and uh, if there is any more setbacks that would threaten opening day for him right now, it does not seem like that's the case. It also doesn't seem like that's the case for Brooks Raley, who was with Team USA, but a hamstring has brought him back into Mets camp. Again, they believe he'll be fine for opening day, but you'd hate to lose that that top lefty you went out to get for your bullpen. Uh, so hopefully he's all right. The one that's the most unfortunate and probably the scariest injury to discuss here is Bryce Montes de Oca. This is a guy that was making a push to be part of that bullpen. I discussed him last week as a guy that could take advantage of other players like O'Reilly uh, going to the World Baseball Classic with more innings available to the, the guys in camp. He has the 102-mile-per-hour fastball he, that you know has ridiculous run on it and, and is a pitch that I think is uh, pretty guaranteed to get swings and misses uh, at the big league level. Slider that's pretty solid as well, slider, cutter, whatever you want to call it. Unfortunately, he's got a forearm injury. And we know that forearms can lead to elbows and elbows to Tommy John. Not to say that that's what he has. I'm certainly not making that leap. But it doesn't appear like he's going to be making the opening day bullpen now uh, based on this injury. And we'll see when he gets back on the mound. That's certainly uh, the most concerning of these injuries. Now, Let's focus back in on Starling Marte and preview his season. We're going to get to that in just a minute. First, though, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, new potential hires can feel like a high-stakes wager for a small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs because at LinkedIn Jobs, you can find the right people for your team faster and for free. All you have to do is add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame 
to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Then use their simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to find the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MLB. That's linkedin.com slash MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Starling Marte is entering year two with the New York Mets, coming off a great first season. Last year, he hit 292, 347 on base, 468 slugging, had 16 home runs in 118 games, 505 plate appearances for this season, right on line with what he did the year prior with the Marlins in Oakland, where he played 120 games, 526 plate appearances, had 12 home runs that year, swiped 47 bags compared to 18 this past year. I hit 310 in 2021, 383 on base, 458 slug. You look at the way to runs created plus. This measures hitters based on a league average of 100. Hit a 134 WRC plus in 2021. Went out this past year, had a 136 WRC plus. Now defense was down compared to what he did in center field the year prior based on some of the defensive metrics you can find at Fangrass. But we watched Marte play right field. I think he's only going to be better defensively this season in his second year, acclimated to that position, acclimated to playing at City Field. The defense will tick up, so that's going to make him more valuable when it comes to you know defensive run save, outs above average, ultimate zone rating, and ultimately his fangrass wins above replacement is going to be higher as well. He's going to be more valuable to the Mets, I believe, just because of the defense statistically is going to take a big tick up. Now, you also have... The bigger bases to think about. He swiped 18 last year. Do we think he can get back over 25? I think so. I think there's even a chance you could see a 30 stolen base season for Marte. The game is tilting back in favor of the base dealer and and trying to get more action. And that's what the pitch clock does. Not only does it speed up the game, but it also allows base runners who can understand the clock and understand how the pitcher is manipulating the clock to get better jumps. So if Starling Marte is getting those good jumps, I really think he's going to be more aggressive on the base pass. And in turn, I think you're going to see some more stolen bases, which could also lead to some more runs scored. If you look at the projection models on Marte, you go to Fangrass, you can find all these different projections that try to tell us what a player is going to do this season. Look at games played, the first one. Between 125 and 133 games. So slightly more than he's played the last couple of years. We'll see if that holds up. The home runs between 11 and 16. So 16 is what he hit last year. The last time he hit 20 was in the juice ball season in 2019. He had 23 bombs. The year prior, he had 20. That was, those two years, his best home run hitting seasons. Doesn't have any others where he got over 20. So I don't know if 20 home runs is within reach. I think if he gives you the 16 you got last year, you'd probably be pretty happy about it. But you want to see him score some more runs. Um, and just overall, you know, maybe be a little more impactful getting on base in comparison. I mean, you look at what he did last year. It was right on line with his career numbers as far as really the entire slash line. 
Career 290 hitter last year, 292. Career 346 on base, he was at 347. Career 453 slugging, he was at 468. But we saw in 2021, he got on base at a 383 clip. So if he can bridge that gap and be somewhere in the middle, if you get Sterling Marte on base at a 360 clip, with his speed, you know, you're going to be able to see a lot of opportunities to swipe bags and, again, a lot of opportunities to score runs. I think if Sterling Marte is healthy, and that's the biggest if in this equation, he is still one of the most impactful guys this team has. He's as close, really, as anybody outside of Francisco Lindor as being a five-tool player. You know, maybe the power tool is a little bit low. It's a guy that hits the ball on the ground a lot, doesn't always get the ball in the air. But it has worked for him throughout his career to get on base and you know to be able to stretch some singles into doubles. He has the speed to do that. Uh, you know whether he'll tap into a twenty home run season again is is maybe unlikely. But he's giving you the great defense. He's giving the speed on the bases. He's going to hit for a very high average. You know you're getting a lot of tools that other guys just aren't always bringing to the table. And it's not like he's a guy that is going to give you seven or eight home runs, right? He's still going to drive the ball out of the ballpark a little bit, and that's obviously um, a big factor for this team. You know, if you can get 30 to 35 home runs from Brandon Nemo and Starling Marte, and they're giving you good defense, and they're getting on base atop that lineup, and they're scoring runs, uh, this Mets team is just going to roll. I think really the question, too, with Marte uh, entering this year when we're trying to project out a season is where exactly is he going to hit? You would wonder if it's the same lineup from last year, in which case he was in the two hole and a lot of teams put their best hitter in the two hole. Uh, and that lineup did really hum whenever he was in it. So I wonder if they're going to go back to that. If they do though, you get in this situation where your best hitter, and I'm talking about pure contact hitter, which is Jeff McNeil is pretty far down that lineup, you know, because I don't know if you're going to drop Lindor out of that three-hole. I can make an argument that the Mets' best lineup would be Nimmo to Marte to McNeil to Alonzo and Lindor batting fifth. I don't think the Mets are going to do that. Um, you know, I could also make the argument that their best lineup would be Jeff McNeil batting leadoff. They're not going to do that either. Brandon Nimmo is going to be the leadoff hitter. So either you go with Nimmo to McNeil to Lindor to Alonzo to Marte, or you keep things as they were, and Jeff McNeil is protecting Pete in the lineup, which isn't the worst thing in the world. But I do hate the fact that a guy like Jeff McNeil, who just won a bag title, isn't in the first four hitters of the lineup. It doesn't seem to make sense to me, but that's also the strength of this lineup. And, and ultimately, it's those five guys that really carried things last year, that really drove um, this team. I think when you're breaking down a lineup, the first five is important, and one way or another, Stalin Marte should be part of that first five um, unless he's not healthy or they bump him down because maybe they like a Daniel Vogel back more in the five hole and they like Jeff McNeil in the two and all of a sudden Stalin Marte is a great six hitter. There's a lot of ways they could stack up these guys. If I had to guess, though, a guy like Buck Showalter set in the lineup card would not be surprised at all if Marte was right back where he was last season batting second every day, playing right field every day. Could he have a better season this year than last? I want to go through a comparison I made previously, which was Marte to Curtis Granderson and why this could be 
the best year we see out of Marte in a Mets uniform. We'll get to that in a second. First, though, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all that fat and calories? You got to try Built Bar then, because what makes Built Bar so good, they come covered in 100% real chocolate and with unbelievable flavors like the churro, the peanut butter brownie, the coconut almond. These bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros with only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and amazing 17 grams of protein. And now, the best part, you don't even have to wait around for a box because in the past, I told you, go to Built.com. You still can. Find all the flavors there. Get a mixed box if you want. But if you just want that Built Bar right now, head to your local Walmart or Sam's Club. You go to Walmart, go to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a 4-bar box of their cookies and cream, their double chocolate, or their coconut puffs, or you buy a Sam's Club, run in there, Grab yourself a 13-bar box of their hit flavors, the brownie batter or the churro. You can thank me later to Sam's Club or Walmart to get your built Bars today. Right now, I'm looking at an article I wrote for JustBaseball.com back on October 29, 2021. Article's title, Starling Marte to follow Curtis Granderson's path with the Mets. Was Marte a Met at that point? No, he was a free agent. This was me basically writing an article of why I thought Marte was the perfect fit to come in, help change the culture, and get the Mets to be a winning team. I basically broke down their similarities as you know, former center fielders that could play right. I talked about the fact that Granderson came into a team that was coming off some down years. The first year with the Mets wasn't great, but 2015, it was Curtis Granderson that helped lead the charge and get the Mets where they needed to go to win the division, to make it into the playoffs, obviously, and eventually get to the World Series. Marte, in year one, was able to do a little bit of that with the Mets. Obviously, he had a much better team around him, but year two was the best we saw of Granderson in a Mets uniform. Could we see the same thing with Marte? If you forget, Curtis Granderson was the best player on the New York Mets in 2015. Now, I'm sure a lot of you just heard that sentence and thought, what's he talking about? Yoannis Cespedes in the second half, he was unbelievable. Daniel Murphy was Babe Ruth that season. All the pitchers, of course, were so great, but... I'm telling you, look back at the numbers from 2015, okay? That season, a 34-year-old Curtis Granderson led the team with a 5.3 F4. So he was a five-win player. He had 26 home runs out of the leadoff spot, which was one behind Lucas Duda for the team lead. For this season, he hit 259, 364 on base, 457 slugging. He scored 98 runs had a 131 weighted runs created plus, so 31% better than your league average hitter. He also played great on right field, posting 12 defensive runs saved. When the Mets took off in the second half, we all credit Uenis Cespedes, right? Curtis Granderson, just as good, just as good, finished second. Uh, actually, excuse me, led the team in F4. Cespedes was the one that finished second and wins above replacement. Because Granderson was worth 3.2 wins in the second half. He hit 278, 392 on base, 506 slugging, had 13 of those 26 home runs, 41 RBIs, 
55 runs scored and a 151 WRC plus, 51% better than your league average hitter. This was Granderson in year two with the Mets. I think Starling Marte is going to be extremely comfortable. I think Starling Marte has a very defined role on this team. And maybe this is the one year in a four-year contract that Starling Marte goes up and, and, and plays 145 for you and kind of surprises you with the games played. And maybe he does end up hitting the 20. Look, last year he had 16 in 118 games. So if you got an extra you know, 20 games out of him, 25 games out of him, it wouldn't be as surprising for him to go up and hit 20 home runs. It wouldn't be as surprising for him to get to 35, 40 stolen bases with the bigger bags and the pitch clock and be able to time things. If he's now getting graded out better on the defensive metrics, suddenly you see a guy who could pop a little bit more. We saw him put up a massive F4 season in 2021. I think that there is a lot of room for growth there for Marte. And suddenly you look at maybe having a five win player in right, potentially a five win player in center, McNeil being a five win player at second. If Pete Alonso's defense doesn't kill him as much as it did last year, he has every chance to be that good again. Uh, we'll put up a five win season. I don't even think he ever has because of the defense, but that would be in the tank for him. And Lindor is a guy that can go up and, in his best season, be a seven or an eight win player. Last year, he was nearly a seven win player. So you look at that group of five, that nucleus, and I think all of them are in a position to put up maybe their best seasons, each one individually in a Mets uniform. For Alonzo, McNeil, even Nimmo to a certain extent, they're in you know their their physical prime when it comes to their age and as well as comfortability and having gone through a 101-win season. For Lindor, same thing. He's now comfortable going into year three. For Marte, year two. I I love what the Mets have done this year by bringing Nimmo back and just trusting that that core can get them there. You supplement it with some rookies, all of a sudden this lineup will be very, very dangerous. It can take the Mets as far as you can imagine this season. We never know what will happen in September or in September. Well, you know what? That's a good point because when Marte got hurt, that's what happened last year to cost in the division. You hope that the Mets keep it together in September leading into October, can win the National League East this time around with that bye, go into the playoffs and make more noise. Star Marte is going to be a big, big, big part of it. Good to see that it appears like he's going to be okay after getting hit in the head. Hopefully gets back into game action soon. It's all ready to go come opening day and can go up and just just post a great season as the everyday right fielder for your New York Mets. Anyway, though, that's going to be all for today's edition. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ficklestein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now, for your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. They'll get you ready for your draft so you can win your league this season. You can follow Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.